let's turn to our homework. Let's turn to our homework. The last time we were here, we were looking at scriptures where God said, see, see, see. We looked at Joseph in Genesis um, chapter 41 where Pharaoh said, see, I have set you over Egypt. And we looked at Jeremiah where God said, see, I have set thee over the kingdoms and the nations. And we were talking about how, humil well, we're talking about humility and how humility says, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can do what God says I can do. Humility is the realistic view of our own importance, A, in the sight of God, and B, in comparison to God. So as we're looking at these examples in the Bible, see, and he did Moses, see, we've got to go back and talk about Moses. Ah, we've got to go back and talk about Moses. See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. Moses had to see himself because he was like, wait a minute now, who am I to talk to Pharaoh? Why is Pharaoh going to listen to me? And God said, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. I need you to see that. I need you to see that even though he is sitting in the, oh, catch this now. He is sitting in the place of the leader of the nation, I've made you a God to him. I need you to see that as you carry out this assignment. So yes, let's go to, let's just revisit real quick, Exodus chapter seven. Probably gonna start in chapter six at the end of chapter six, but let's do Exodus chapter seven. Okay, so actually we're going to start in um, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 28, and we will read through chapter 7, verse 2. Who's got it? You can read it in the King James, please. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I have said unto you. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall, I, how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. And thou shalt speak all that I commanded, command thee. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he sent the children of Israel out of this land. Amen. Amen. So now we're looking at humility, which says, I am who God says I am. We're aligning our vision with his vision. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. When we are having a realistic view of our importance in the sight of God, that means we call ourselves what he calls us. When we um, have a realistic view of our importance in comparison to God, that's when we realize that it's he who has made us and not we ourselves. So of course I'm what he calls me. I can't tell him what to call me. He calls me what he calls me and I say, yes, Lord. This is where the lowliness of humility comes in. Because compared to our creator, we are lowly. We can't get above him and tell him who we are. We are who he says we are. So in comparison to him, we are lowly, not unworthy, just lowly. But in the sight of him, we are everything that he says we are. We, he considers us kings and priests. He considers us his peculiar people. He considers us his treasure. Now think about this. We are God's treasure. We are God's inheritance. 
What kind of gift do you think God would make for himself? He's God. What kind of gifts do you think he would make for himself? Don't you see the purest gold and the finest silver and all these beautiful jewels and all? Just read about what heaven looks like and then think he made you. What must you look like to him? And I hear God saying to do this, so I'm going to go there. You know, in Genesis, when he created man and woman, you know, they didn't have clothes on. It took for them to eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for them to realize that they didn't have, that they were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. Who told you you were naked? So they made for themselves clothes when they figured they were naked. But before that, they had been clothed with the glory of God. They were cloaked with the glory of God. Can you imagine? And you know, we hear lots of stories about when people are talking about Adam and Eve and ooh, when that man saw that woman and she was fine and she was this and that. He did not see her natural body. He saw the glory. Because let me tell you, once the fall happened, nothing on earth looked as good as it did before. As good as Adam and Eve looked and as perfect as their bodies may have been, it was nowhere near as beautiful as it was before the fall because they were cloaked in the glory of God. And when Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he restored everything. We were redeemed. We rejoice because we say Jesus died for us. He redeemed us. But let me tell you something. He didn't redeem. He didn't buy back this fallen creature. He bought us back in our original state, the way God created us in the Garden of Eden. That's what Jesus bought back. Hallelujah. Even, um, even when uh, Adam and Eve made their leaf outfit, yes, God didn't leave it at that. He That's made right. them animal clothes. That's right. Thought it was thought it was elevated more, and it also was a a form of a covenant. That's right. It was. Um, I'm, I would much rather have a animal skin <laughs> than a bunch of leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when God does it, he does it. And let me tell you something. He did you. He made you. He made me. Hallelujah. So when God says you are, the only response, the only proper response is, yes, Lord, I am. That's humility. That's humility. Acknowledging that your creator calls you what he calls you, and you answer to it. Glory to God. Whew, thank you, Holy Spirit. So now, back to Exodus. We see, let, let's go back and answer these questions. Did you all write them down last week? Or you can um, just say them again. Humility says, I am who God says I am. Who did God say that Moses was? And this is found in verse 29. Not word for word, but you know. He's a God to Pharaoh. In verse 29. Verse 6. Chapter 6, verse 29. But yes, that is correct, but that's not what I'm going for this time. Sorry. Yes, but look at um, chapter 6, verse 29. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. So God made Moses his what? Mouthpiece, a messenger. Yes, mouthpiece, messenger. I think we said spokesman last week. Yes. And the reason, Shalom, I said that 
the God to Pharaoh, and I said this to you last week too, Michelle, um, because your answer also was a God to Pharaoh. But the reason why that's not the answer I'm looking for right now is because that's not the response that Moses objected to. Look at verse 30. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am, un I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? You're calling me your mouthpiece, but how is that going to happen? I have, I, my speech isn't good. So Moses had to come to that place where I am who God says I am. I am his mouthpiece. Are you all seeing that? Yes. Okay. And so then um, now verse seven, um, I mean, chapter seven, verse one. And the Lord said unto Moses, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. So now Moses had to do what? He had to align his vision with God's vision of him. That's why God said, and I, you know what? I think about, I had to chuckle because when I was a little girl <laughs> and my mom was trying to get me to do something, she would take my chin and she would turn it to where she wanted me to you know, she would take my chin and turn it. She would, she would refocus my attention because she wanted me to look at what she was looking at. And most times when it happened, really, is kind of when I was in trouble. I did something, she'd be talking to me. I'd be looking at me. She'd say, look at me when I'm talking to you. You know, but she would take my chin and she would refocus it on what she wanted me to focus on. And so when I hear God saying, see, I hear him being firm and saying, look at what I'm looking at. I want you to see what I see. This is how I want you to see yourself. See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And I imagine I was telling um, someone earlier, you know, think about boxers in a boxing ring. And this is right before the fight starts and the boxers are in their different corners and they're, you know, jumping. And then their coach is up there massaging the shoulders and squirting water and stuff. You got this champ, you got this champ. Look, I, you knock them down, one point, one point, come on, come on, or two rounds. They're putting stuff in their minds for them to meditate on while they're out there in the fight. And so the other thing I see besides God refocusing our attention is God, come on, come on, come on. You need to see this. You need to see, I've made you a God to Pharaoh. You're getting ready to go into that ring, but this is what you focus on. I've made you a God to Pharaoh. He's going down. Uh, you're a God to him. I feel the anointing so strong right now. You're going down. I've made you a God to him. And Moses needs to see what God sees. He needs to focus on what God has told him to focus on. And, and so it is with every other scenario that we have looked at in the Bible. Are you all seeing that? Yes. Okay. All right. And so then verse two, thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. So God also gave Moses a prophet, a a mess, another messenger, you know, another, I'm, I'm going to say a megaphone because that's what, a, that's what he spoke through. He spoke through Aaron. But so we see how humility worked with uh, Moses, right? So now let's go over to Joshua. I'm excited about this one. Ooh, am I excited? So it's Joshua chapter one, verses one through six. And then we're going to pick it up again in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, and read through chapter 6, verse 2. So when someone's, and we'll read these out of the King James. So when someone's ready, you can start with Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to... Okay, and we're going to read it through the lens of humility. We're going to answer these questions, four questions. One, who did God say Joshua was? Two, what did God say Joshua has? Three, what did God say Joshua could do? And four, what did Joshua need to see? All right, go ahead, Shalom. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord 
spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over to this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Well, let's jump over to chapter 5, verse 13. And you're going to read through chapter 6, verse 2. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lift up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord, Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given the, the, into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Amen. So, um, you all can, I'm just going to ask the question and I want to hear answers from both of you. Um, because the answers might not be the same. All right, so Joshua, no, 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 no. Question number one, what, who did God say Joshua was? And when you give your answer, also give your scripture reference. Um, Joshua is the leader, and that's verse 2. Okay. How of, do you get of chapter 1. All right, so how do you get that? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Right. He replaced Moses as a leader. He replaced Moses as the leader. Very good. He replaced Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you go. <laughs> you lead these people over the River Jordan. All right. Number, um, number two. Oh, Michelle? I agree. You agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Number two. What did God say Joshua had? And give your scripture reference. Um, I would like to go say that he has um, he has everything. He has um, property and he, he's rich in that in a sense. I guess I'll say he's rich. Um, verse three: Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And, and also verse four explain further from the wilderness 
and this Lebanon even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, or the land of the Hittites. Yeah, so yeah, he has property. Yes, all of the land, because this is the land that God set the children of Israel free from Egypt. I mean, yeah, the children of Israel free from Egypt for. So they can go into their promised land. This is the land that God swore unto their fathers. That's what it says in verse 6. Um, Thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the, their fathers to give them. So, um, so this is the promised land. So um, very good, Michelle. This is God saying, okay, the land. This belongs to you. All right, anything else? And Shalom, you can chime in anytime you're ready. He has God. Okay, where do you get that? And that's from verse five. Okay. Um, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee amen so yeah he's got god and that means he's got god's backing right yes okay so um he's got god there was something else you were sharing with me earlier also from verse five um and both of you feel free to look at that and see if you can identify something else that God gave him. And it's through what God spoke to him. He says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I, I have been, the Lord has been giving me this message lately that just by virtue of God speaking something to you, that's your authority to carry it out. That's your guarantee that it's already done. So here in verse five, where God says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. That tells me that he gave Joshua this conquering spirit. Everywhere he goes, he's going to be able to conquer. Nobody's going to be able to stand before him. Nobody's going to be able to. Um, so back to what Shalom was saying, where he has God, where God said, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. If you jump down to verse nine, this is after God has already told him to be strong and of a good courage. Um, this is after he said, only be strong and very courageous. Meditate on this word that you can observe to do everything that's in it. Um, that's how you'll make your way prosperous. That's how you'll have good success. And then in verse nine, he says, have I not, or have not I commanded thee? Hey, it's me. I'm the one, didn't I tell you? Just be strong and of good courage. I'm the one who can handle it. I'm the one who's backing you up. I'm the one. You don't have to worry about it. Now, if anybody else had told you to be strong and of good courage, all right, there might be a reason to pause there. There might be a reason to suspect something. But hey, is it not I who have commanded thee? I got this. We're good. Joshua has all of heaven backing him up. He's got God backing him up. He's got God's power. He's got God's presence. He's got God himself. Glory to God. All right. So we've answered who did God say Joshua was? What did God say Joshua had? And now what did God say Joshua could do? We can find this. In verse six of chapter one. It can win the battle. How do you get that? Hold on. I'm looking at, well, you tell me what you got. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. 
None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. You're saying what now? That he can win? That he has the victory. That he has the victory. What does Joseph say? Okay, that he has the victory because God has given it into his hand. He, or No, we're okay, but we're on what did God say he can do? What did God say Joshua can do? And I'm actually in chapter 1, verse 6. And remember, just by virtue of God telling us to do something, that is his giving us the authority to do it. That is a, him telling us that it's a done deal. It's guaranteed. You just stick with me. Do what I say. It's already done. That's how we cooperate with his word. But just by, if God tells us to do something, just the fact that he told us to do it is the truth that it's already done. It's the truth that we can do it. He would not be a just God if he told us to do something we couldn't do. So let's look at chapter one, verse six, and answer this question. What did God say Joshua could do? Be strong enough. Okay, he can be strong. He's telling him to do that. Okay. What is the assignment? What is the assignment? God already gave him the land. God told him he was Moses' um, uh, successor. What is the assignment? Why did he give him the land? What is the purpose of Joshua having the land? He's going to distribute it among the people. Yes. He's going to make sure the people get their land. Yes, absolutely. I like the way it says it in the Amplified Classic. He says, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. In other words, and I find this kind of funny because, again, this is Moses' successor and we know all the trouble that Moses had with these people. <laughs> They caused Moses to hit the rock instead of speaking to it like God had said. Moses was frustrated. People get on their nerves. And already a generation had died out because of how hard-headed they were. But God told Joseph, I mean, Joshua, you're going to cause these people to get their land. You can do it. You can do it. You can be the closer. You can get it done. So, yes. Yes. How old was Moses when he died? 120. And he started this at 75? No, that was Abraham. Let me see. I think he left. He left Egypt after murdering somebody when he was 40. He spent 40 years in the wilderness. And when he went back to, so he was 80 when he went back to deliver the people. And then there was 40 years in the wilderness and he died, which makes him 120. Thank you. You're welcome. He was tired of those people. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I say, God bless pastors. God bless leaders. God bless them. And I mean, it's like people God loves people and he gives people, I mean, and I'm talking about fivefold ministry right now. So I'm talking about, he gives people pastors hearts, those who will shepherd the people because it takes a pastor's heart to be able to do it in a godly manner. It, it really does. It really does. Um, but God told Joshua, you can do it. <laughs> You're going to cause these people to inherit the land. This is what you've been going through the wilderness for all this time. Um, you know, now Joshua was one of the spies who went all those years ago and said, we can take the land. We can do it. But it was only him and Caleb who said, yes, the other 10 said no. And the people chose to believe the other 10, which is why the unbelief had to die out in the wilderness before um, they could go into the promised land. None of that previous generation went into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. 
all of this was a new generation and they had to be circumcised again. Ouch. Yeah. So, all right, praise God. Now, what did Joshua have to see? Chapter six, verse one. Ooh, chapter six, verse two, excuse me. Hey, Tamara. Hello. <laughs> um, just to give you a quick synopsis while these two ladies are looking at their answers. Uh, we've been talking, this is part two of a teaching, but we've been talking about humility, as you know, and humility mm -hmm. says, I am what God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can be, I mean, and I can do what God says I can do. And there are times when God says things about us that we have trouble receiving, which is why the previous um, series was on taking God at his word about us. We have to receive what he says about us. We have to come into agreement with what he says about us. And now we're in the um, series that says we have to see what he sees. So we've looked at examples like Jeremiah when he says, see, I have set thee over the kingdoms and the nations. We have looked at Moses where he said, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. And now we're looking at Joshua, and I'm not going to tell you what he said, because this is what um, Shalom and Michelle are getting ready to answer. But when God says, see, I, I explained how when I was a little girl, mom would take my chin and she would turn it over to where she was because she wanted me to look at what she was looking at. Or lots of times it was when I was in trouble and I was looking off and she would take my chin and turn it to her and say, look at me when I'm talking to you. And it's right. the same way when God is saying, see, see what I see about you. I have set you over Egypt. I have set you. I have set you. I, it has nothing to do with what we have done for ourselves, but it's what God has done for us. And that's why the humility is having a realistic view of our own importance a, in the sight of God. When we have a realistic view of ourselves in the sight of God, then we say, yes. I, when God says, see, you are this, and we say, yes, Lord, I certainly am. Glory to God. That is humility. When we just, it's almost like Mary, be it unto me, your humble handmaiden. Yes, right? And then when we um, have a realistic view of our own importance in comparison to God, we realize that he is our creator and we are the creation. There's no way for us to come above him. We come under him and compared to him, we are lowly. We can't tell him what to make us. We can't tell him he made a mistake. He's the creator, we're the creation. So that's how we have um, a, a realistic view of our importance in comparison to God. We realize that compared to him, we are lowly, not unworthy, but lowly. And so that humility says, ooh, God made me this, then let me be this. So that's what we're talking about. And so we've gone through um, a few scenarios again with Jeremiah, Joseph, um, Moses, and now Joshua. And we've answered these questions. What did God say, who did God say they were? What did God say they had? What did God say they could do? And what did they have to see? So now we're on Joshua. And we're looking at chapter 6, verse 2. What did Joshua have to see? How did he have to align his vision with God's vision of him? He needed to see that he was in charge. He needed that he's the leader now. He's the leader now. Okay. And what, how do you get that? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and other people, unto the land. Okay, yes, yes. That was in the beginning. That was chapter one. But now we're in chapter six because Joshua has obeyed that. Now they have crossed the Jordan, and now they're at Jericho. Because we started in um, chapter five, verse 13. Where it says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. So this is a continuation of the story. After God spoke to Joshua, told him, you're the leader now. You're going to lead this people over Jordan. You're going to distribute this land among the people. Only be very courageous. Then Moses, if we 
keep reading the scripture in chapter one, it says he got to work. He got the officers together and said, look, command the people to do this. Then as we go through the chapters, we see that he sent spies into the land. We see that they crossed the river. And now here we are at chapter five, where in verse 13, where it says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. So now here he is. And now understand, and, and if you had read the, you'll find that in the chapters leading up to this, that the, he sent spies into the land. And the spies, you know, um, Rahab hid them. And she says, where have you guys been? We have been waiting for you guys for 40 years because we heard how God delivered you out of Egypt. And we thought you were coming straight for us. We heard how your God moved on your behalf. We, we, we thought you were coming for us. Where have you been? But because of the unbelief, the children of Israel were still in the wilderness all that time. And that gave Jericho time to build this great big wall. You know, the wall that Joshua and his troops walked around for seven days. And then after the seventh day and the seventh round around it, they gave the shout and the walls came tumbling down. Well, those walls weren't there when Joshua and Caleb went to spy. But Jericho had heard about how God delivered his people and said, hey, we have to build a wall. We've got to defend ourselves. That's why in Joshua chapter six, verse one, it says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They built a wall. They confined themselves because they did not want Israel, the children of Israel, to overtake them. And so now I'm going back up to chapter 5, verse 13 again. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lift up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am or am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith the Lord to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto him, Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon there, whereon there standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Who else did God say that to? Take your shoes off, for you're standing on Moses. 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 Right? So this meant something to Joshua, right? Well, I'm sure Moses had told the story, but here we go. And this was right before Moses' calling that it happened to him. And now here Joshua is, and he's looking at Jericho. I'm sure while he had been there looking at Jericho all this time, he's looking at those big walls. He's like, what's going to happen now? How is this going to happen? All of this. And so, you know, we get the description. Jericho straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. These great big strong walls. But now the Lord said unto Joshua, see what did God tell Joshua to see? He gave him Jericho so he'll be able to conquer Jericho and all the, the king. Yes. Yes. And I say, you know what? And it's the same thing from last week, but I want you to just word for word. What did, what, what did God want Joshua to see? Word for word out of the scripture. See, I have given unto thee, into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. What does it mean when you're at work, Michelle, and you say to your assistant, I'm putting this in your hands. I'm going to leave this in your hands. What does that mean? Well, they're in control. They they're have the power that's right they're in control so now what is God saying to Joshua see I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king remember in chapter one God said no man shall be able to stand before you I've given you the leader of Jericho and all his men of valor all the strong ones that go to battle all the ones that people are scared of I've given all of that into your hand you are in control you have authority 
more than just victory, you have authority. So it's like he owns Jericho. He owns Jericho. Now, I'm sure, and then God continues to talk to him when you read, and you shall come past the city, the men of war, you shall go around. God gives him a strategy. So Joshua has to cooperate with the word of God and do it the way God says. But right now, remember that example I gave you about two boxers in the, in the boxing ring, right? And they're in their own corners and you know, psyching themselves up and going and the coach is rubbing their shoulders and stuff. You got this champ, you got this champ. One punch, one punch, come on, come on. You got this. He's he's psyching, that's what it is. He's psyching the 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 um, fighter up. He's psyching him, not out, but you know, he's getting him fit psychologically so he can go in with that mindset and knock that mm -hmm. other person out. Well, this is what God is doing to Joshua. See, I've given Jericho into your hand. This belongs to you. You are in control of this. You have authority of this. And it's almost like he, he doesn't bring any attention to the walls. He doesn't bring any attention to the obstacles. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. That's what I want you to focus on. That's what I want you to see. So as you are following my directions, as you're doing what I told you to do, this is going into later, but he's giving Joshua something to think about while he's following God's directive. So now can you imagine? I've always heard it said, how could they keep quiet during this time? And how could they keep quiet? All the but I'll bet Joshua was meditating on what God had said. He was setting his vision in alignment with God's vision. God has given Jericho into my hands. Yes, this belongs to me. No man can stand before me. He's, he's, he's meditating. I can imagine this. He's meditating on what God said so that when the time came to give that shout, oh, that was a shout of faith. It wasn't just a shout to make noise. So he had meditated that word. That word, oh my God, that word had taken root inside of him because God had given him the, the, the directive before, don't let this word depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it there, therefore day and night. Joshua had some practice meditating on the word of God. And so now God said, see, and I'll bet Joshua is meditating on that thing. So now when it comes time to do that shout, Glory to God. And the walls came tumbling. And Jericho and the king and the mighty men of valor were in his hand. He was in control. He could do with them what he would. They wouldn't be able to stand against him. I say something? Yes. When I read this stuff, it was... Just like God is saying he's giving us back our country. Amen. But <clears throat> he's not he's just going to give it to us to let us lose it again. Amen. He's going to make us fight for it because then it becomes ours. And we own it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of analogies for what's going on today as for what happened with Joshua. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And the, Thank you. <laughs> and the big thing is, uh, with God giving us our country back, it's the same as with Joshua. God didn't just say, uh, I'm giving you, he didn't just say Jericho is in thine hands. He then gave Joshua the strategy as to how to overtake it. And then he told Joshua, ooh, this so, yes, Shalom, you are absolutely right. Because then the directions to Joshua was, do not keep the accursed thing. Dedicate the accursed thing to me. Don't keep any of those spoils for yourself. Those things are cursed. Those things have spirits and mindsets and, and, and wrong ways attached to them. Give them all to me so you'll have a fresh start. We're going to plant my word in here. And I believe it'll be the same way for our nation. And here's, here's the reason. Here's the reason. The fear of the Lord, humility, 
obedience, love of the truth. Here's the reason all this comes into play. Because God told Joseph, don't keep anything from this, none of the spoils. If anybody keeps any of the spoils, it's not just going to cause trouble for them. It's going to cause trouble for the whole camp. One man, Achan, kept something. Achan got found out. I believe he and his family got um, swallowed up in the ground. But And the reason he got found out is because when the children of Israel went out to war against this tiny army that they should have beat very easily, they lost. Why? All because of someone's disobedience. All be and that resulted from pride. So this is why it's important for us to continue to pray over the body of Christ. Continue. Our initiative has not stopped. We, we're still the Dominion Task Force. We still have the assignment to take dominion over COVID. And God is revealing more things. And so um, as we continue with this prayer, we continue with this assignment, God continues to open up. And I'm so blessed because testimonies are coming out where pastors are saying, look, our people need to be taught. They've been going to church for years. They've been preached at a whole lot, but they haven't been taught the word of God. So they really don't even know what the truth is. They, or, or they've gotten so far away from righteousness. It's time for us to come back and start preaching righteousness. It's time for us to come back and start teaching the truth instead of preaching at them. So our prayers are effective. Our prayers are working. And we're seeing manifestation. But it's like Shalom said, God isn't going to give us our country back for us to just mess it up again. We need to walk. He, he, um, the Black Robe Regiment yes. of pastors back in our um, back in 1776, I think it was. Okay. The, the pastors were the leaders of the men, and uh, I'm sure it was many, many women uh, prayer warriors who were praying in their houses. But God wants us to take control of this country. He he wants it to be, I mean, we, we kind of have to go back to every household has a responsibility to the country to, to know what their job is. And if you don't, then you're part of the enemy. That's right. I mean, it doesn't feel comfortable saying, but I mean, it, it's saying get back in your Bible, get back in your real church, and um, you can have this country back, but it's a fight. And it's involvement in a different way than the first time. And it's often not as easy the second time as it was the first time. And it wasn't easy the first time. Right. So I just think that I, I just see this very much like a Jericho. You know, we're looking at like this is a big thing. You know, all these. Uh, it's not a party, but it's a spirit. And so, but there's a part of me that has made many slips of my tongue because I call it the, the demonic party. And, it, and I wasn't doing it on purpose, but that's what came out. Right. And so, you know, the spiritual warfare to take back our country and to not have it be a physical war, to have it not be neighbor against neighbor, and I think the first of this this pandemic thing that's here is is the first. And you know, as people let's say kind of drop out because they're tired of the battle, they're going to get taken out. Right, right. And let me because you know what, it's time to take a stand. It, it's just time to take a stand. 
And I just want to clarify that when you're saying that God's giving us our country back, it's time to take our country back, that we're talking about bringing it back to righteousness. Yes. Yes. Bringing it back to righteousness. Because it's right. as you said, it's not a physical war, it's not a physical fight, it's not neighbor against neighbor, black against white, anything else. It's spiritual, and it's bringing it back to righteousness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing. Okay. Hallelujah. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to share? Okay. Well, then I, oh, this has been so, so, so rich tonight. Let me just take a moment to say, thank you, Lord, so much. Glory to God. We just bless you. We magnify you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating your word to us. We thank you for giving us deeper revelation. We thank you for speaking to us about us. And Lord, as we have studied these people in the Bible, let us make it more than just about Bible personalities, but let our ears be open to hear what you say about us. And then let us be quick to respond that I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. I can do what you say I can do. And I set my sight to see what you want me to see in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I want you all to repeat that after me. Say, I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I can do what God says I can do. I align my vision with his vision. I align my vision with his vision. I choose to see what he sees. I choose to see what he sees about me. About me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I just speak that this word is taking root in each person's heart under the sound of my voice in Jesus name. Lord, I speak that everyone has fresh ears to hear as they go throughout their daily lives, fresh ears to hear you speaking to them, that they see themselves in ways that they hadn't seen themselves before because their ears are tuned to the frequency of your voice to hear what you say about them. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we are rising up as a great army of who you have called us to be. And Lord, you, we, we magnify you because you have pleasure in our prosperity and we align our pleasure with your pleasure. Whatever gives you pleasure, gives you pleasure, gives us pleasure. And whatever gives you displeasure, whatever comes against our prosperity, we take displeasure in just as much as you do. So we no longer tolerate it in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.